Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your guest, Brandon. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. Are you sitting at home right now, wondering, what am I going to have to prepare for tonight's game? It's kind of impromptu. I don't have anything ready. Well, that's okay, because Goblinstone's got you covered. We'd like to take a moment to thank our fellowship member, Goblinstone. Thanks to Goblinstone, all of Crit Nation now has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> Be sure to head on over to goblinstone.com or check out our fellowship link at our website, critacademy.com. This week's winner is Grim Punks. Congratulations. Grim Punks, when you complete the adventure, Head on over to Goblinstone and make sure you give them a five-star rated review. We'd like to let you know how you can become our heroes. Head on over and become a patron at patreon.com or, or follow us on our social medias, Facebook and Twitter. Or check out our website. we got awesome tools uh, in our tools section for you to check out, including uh, the every single wizard book that you can purchase right through Amazon. So sw- swing on over and check it out. And if you really want to get saucy, Give us a <laughs> give us a five star uh, review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks for joining us today at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. <laughs> yep, that's right. Your roles are like chests without any treasure. <laughs> <laughs> we got some really good stuff for you today. Um, bring some excitement, but before we get to all that, we want to hear about in the realm. Brandon, what's going on in your life? Oh yes, I'm getting lots of commissions for my artwork. Yeah, you're a very good artist. Yeah, thank you. I've seen your work. Did you ever send me anything to post on our Twitter and Facebook? I'm sure you didn't. No. The closest thing I have is the digitization of your Credit Academy logo. Yeah, Brandon did our logo. Well, he's one of a two-man cell team here. Uh, we had one buddy of ours draw it up for us, and then he digitized it, and it turned out very good, I must say. I give you a solid B. Oh, thanks. I like the sketch. The sketch is good. You're a yeah. dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you are a very good artist. I did see a dragon you sent me, um, and you do a pretty good, uh, pretty good artwork there. Yeah, that was for a Crunchyroll contest. Very cool. Yeah, my wife sent it to me on my phone. She said, let me a trip to Tokyo. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't win. I, I don't know when they're drawing the winners. Oh, they haven't done that yet. No, it's very like, cool. Great your own custom monster. Okay. A Next. dragon's not a custom monster, though. It's not a dragon, though. It has all my favorite monster movie monsters in it. It looked like a dragon. Oh, it's, it's got the, the big arms from the Mothra from the new... Uh, Godzilla, mm-hmm. the face has the graboid from oh, Tremors. Uh, it's got raptor's legs. It's got the little arms from the Alien Queen. That's Long baller. Time. Yeah. Very cool. Well, if you <laughs> send it to me, I'll post it on Facebook and they can check it out. Oh, I'm totally going. How much it. are your commissions? $15. Okay, you can find me at ravenstar.tumblr.com. That's my Tumblr that I post all my stuff on to. How about you? I see you got your shirt buttoned down with a little... Spider fell coming out of your shirt like that. You look sexy. <laughs> Turns the wife on. She loves it. 
<laughs> yeah, not a, not a whole lot's going on. We're critical at work, so we're working seven days a week. That's fantastic. <sighs> at least I am. You're kind of. You're not. Didn't go to work today, did you? No, they were taking volunteers because they're running. Yeah. One line. One line. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, annoying. Um, I did go see Wonder Woman, and I have to say, it is the best DC movie to date. I have to say. <sighs> Such a good Did you movie. like it? Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? <laughs> man, and Gal Gadot, man. <laughs> uh, her and uh, the guy who played Steve Trevor. It's pretty awesome. I forget his name. So I really enjoyed that. So that's really all that's going on, keeping keeping busy at work. So so that ain't completes in the realm. On to our next segment, the Let's Hear Let's Talk About Blank. We have a question from the D and D five E Facebook group from Selwyn Lai. Would you allow bardic inspiration to be used in death-saving throws? That seems like a pretty easy one to me, doesn't it? Yes, considering that it is actually right here on page 53 of the Player's Handbook. Well, it doesn't say death saves, though. It says saving it throws. It says saving throws, but I think anything that has the word save on it is a saving well, throw. Well, then why isn't it in the little box on the character sheet with the rest of the saving throws? I don't know. It's still a save. Would you, so you, th- you think that regardless whether it's not with a little collection? Yeah, I would agree too. Yeah, um, and I, I guess I could see how a newer player would get confused by that. Um, I personally have no problem with it. I think that's the way the rules are intended. Um, yeah, that's a pretty simple, cut and dry question as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I can see where the confusion would come in because it doesn't say death saving throw; it says death saves in the on the character sheet. So yeah, it saves here. It says uh, what was it? One ability check, attack roll, or saving throw the creature makes so right but i think their confusion was the fact is that death saves isn't under saving throw so i could see how somebody would be confused by that so yeah you know how i treat these rules what like magic the gathering cards when all else fails do what the card says it says saving throw it has the word save in it okay it's go with it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i agree that's a pretty cut and dry one see that was a quick one um i hope that we answered your question so in line all right so that is it for our <laughs> Let's talk about blank segment. Our main topic today is brought to you by Audible. Get your free audio download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash critacademy. Audible has over 180,000 titles for you to choose from for all your mobile devices. Uh, Our main segment today, we are discussing online play, and we're going to talk a little bit about Roll20 specifically. So for those of you who don't know, obviously the most common way to play D&D, would you agree, would be at a table surrounded by all your friends. Yeah, most common. Well, that's not the only option anymore. Um, Technology has evolved beyond that to allow us to play with others all around the world. And while it's not as intimate... (laughs) You're saying that we got all this technology that's evolved. I can imagine someone wearing a VR headset sitting at a table with their friends playing (laughs) (laughs) D&D. That's funny. Um... (laughs) You know, D&D is a very social game, and it's designed to, to, to be able to play with anybody at any time. But that's a challenge in real-life scenarios. When you're busy, you're, you've got adulting to do, you've got children, you've got work, it's very challenging to find time with all your friends sometimes to get together. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that people have. I know we've had the issue where some people just can't make it to our sessions because something comes up and they've got some sort of home life crisis or just their kids are sick or something along that line. So it can make sometimes getting a group very difficult. Even even having trying to go and play in the Adventures League. Not, some stores, you know, you can drive to a store and play with people. 
even that situation there can be challenging sometimes because you may not get along with somebody at the table or um, there might not be enough room for you at the table. So there's a lot of challenges with playing at a real table with people. But digital tools, like specifically like Roll20, allow you to not only play with people at any around the world, but you can play at any time. It's true, though. Being able to play a game that, like, when was the when was the last time we actually sat down and played D anD D? It's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. But then I got to play online with you, and what was it four other random people I didn't know? It was awesome. What made that game so? How for you? How was that different? Because that was your first online experience. Yeah. How uh, was that different for you compared to sitting at the table with all our friends? I think one of the biggest things when it comes to D and D is role play. When you get into character, getting the voice, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier for people when you can't see them. I agree 100%. I really do. Like, who can shit there and talk like this all you want? And no one will know what you look like, or they're not staring at you or judging you. They might be judging you silently, but you don't, <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> or they're applauding you. <laughs> and you're right. Some people, uh, I found that some people who are normally uncomfortable at my table found a sort of easier outlet in online play. Because of that exact reason, because they're not sitting at a table with people that they know, and if they make a mistake or if they're embarrassed by their friends, these people, they may or may not ever see these people again or never see them because they're just doing audio, you know? (laughs) So there's definitely, there's definitely uniqueness to both experiences. The big thing that I love about it is that right now I could go on to Roll20 and look for a game and probably be in one tonight if I wanted to. Is it really that quick? It can be, yeah. It depends on how particular you are about the game. Do you want to play just 5th edition? Then you're you're narrowing your options. Do you only want to play with advanced players? Or do you only want to play with new players? So you have all these different options that really make it... Um, allows you to personalize it. Um, for me, I don't mind playing any role play. I will play whatever. If they take newbies, I'll jump right in and I can play. That's kind of how I've been yeah. scratching my itch. But Roll20 is probably the... In my opinion, the number one tool used for roleplay online. It comes with just a plethora of options. And, I mean, first, it's elegantly simple. I mean, it's the virtual customized tabletop. It comes with a compendium. It has character building tools. Um, You play it right through your browser without even really needing to download anything. Download it. which Which is pretty awesome. And we talked about, you know how easy it is to get into a game if i know you're sitting at home right now and i'm about to play a game i can send you a link and you can just click the link and be right in a game which is awesome that's awesome it is i've I've never played on roll 20 so i don't know i know what it is but i don't know how it works right and that's kind of what we're going to discuss uh today because you've played through without any any tabletop any dice rolling tools anything like that it was just straight audio which is a completely different experience (laughs) but you know, playing online with through Roll Twenty, it really allows you a lot of. It's got a lot of really cool things to really enhance the the story aspects. Um, one of the most common ones, or in my opinion, one of the best ones, and it's pretty simple, is you can upload your own images to the grid. You know, they have images and maps and stuff you can actually get from them to upload right into the game to use. So, how do you make your own maps? Is it through you just make boulders and stuff they're paint ms or what well no so they have something very similar to that though but they've got like generic designs for things like boulders and trees and bridges and you know and you can just copy and paste them into the game 
So maybe you might get a little torch. So you can upload the one torch and hit control C and then control V and just paste dozens of them. So <laughs> you can quickly plot out and, and draw a map on the fly if you're doing an impromptu game. I wouldn't recommend that for a new player or a, a, a newer player because, you know, you might be a little slower at it. But you can get so at it where you can build a map on the fly. Or you most common most people build them in advance and then just save them and they can go back and forth whenever they want. <laughs> so and it's you know you convenient. mentioned yeah you know they give you tools not just for that are like pre-rendered images but they give you special drawing tools. You know you can draw you know uh, arrows. You can even give this power to the players. You know you can draw arrows in circles to kind of represent effects or you know um, pathways or. Anything along that line, those lines. Um, I've actually used it just to write words right, right on the map. Bad guy here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say one of the cooler things is, you know, I love, I love you. You've played D and D with me. I love to make shit. Yeah, you do. I, I create all kinds of stuff <laughs> for my games. And one of the things that I do like to do the most is I like to do some sort of handout, something physical that the the players can hold on to. Well, Roll Twenty also provides that. You get, you can develop these handouts and load them into the game and send them to your players. You can pop them up on the screen so they can all see them uh, at once. But what's really cool is, you know, they can save them for later. One of my biggest pet peeves as DM is when I give you something to read and then you ask me what is on the thing that I gave you to read. If it's a ransom note (laughs) and you say, what was on that note again? (laughs) Fucking drives me bonkers. (laughs) And you've done that, haven't you? Yeah, I've done it once or twice. Or ten. Shut up. Thousand <laughs> times, probably. <laughs> Says, hey, I got a letter from the DM. You smell bourbon toe. <laughs> bourbon toe. <laughs> Good stuff. See, even he knows about bourbon toe. Everybody <laughs> loves bourbon toe. So one of the cool things is, is you can also send text back and forth. So one thing that happens often in my games is I've got characters texting in the chat box in character as they're talking while I'm doing something. So they don't talk over me while I'm describing something, but they interact on what they want to do if they don't want to cut me off, which I think is really cool. But also, as a DM or as a player, we can communicate personally so none of the other players can tell, can, can hear. So you can, you can send whispers to single players. Yes, which is pretty cool. Uh, I can send them to single players, I can send them to a couple people, or they can send them back to me. So if you've got someone who has a very high passive perception, you can say you, you see something they don't. Yes, which, how did I handle that in our games here? You, you wrote it down on a note and you gave it to somebody. <laughs> and half the time, the note wasn't necessarily anything important. Yeah, but sometimes it was important. And, and like, they w- <laughs> You can share it or not. It's up to you. <laughs> right. You give, be- you give it to someone, they look at it, say, okay. <laughs> it says there's a trap ahead. You're not going to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who they I give them something and then they don't say nothing. But then you guys are wondering, well, what did they see? And it might be as something as mundane as a swift bring brings in the smell of orchids. You yeah, know? and now you got all your players wondering what's about to happen. <laughs> and right. Now you got everyone on, all on high alert when they don't need to be. Right, right. And that's exactly, you know, that's exactly <laughs> it. Now, this doesn't have that exact effect. And it kind of, uh, kind of mitigates that metagaming, which I like. Because um, that was really the only way I could figure out how to do it here besides sending phone text messages, which I'm not a fan of. So, And then... Uh, do, you, does, do you get music with this program? Absolutely. It comes with hundreds and hundreds of soundtracks, whether they're noise, sound effects or music. Um, it's very cool. Um, I really like to use the ambient stuff, um, stuff that helps build tension as they're playing. 
Um, oh, I hate that. <laughs> what, building tension? <laughs> yeah, because you're sitting there with your, your butthole puckered <laughs> and you're on the edge of your seat. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, and it provides all that stuff for you. Now, there is some premium content that you can pay for, but a lot of that stuff is free, um, which is pretty cool. One of the coolest things, we talk D&D because that's what we play, right? But yeah. Roll20 is not locked into D&D, which I think is really cool. So you can use it with Pathfinder and other games like that. Yep, Pathfinder, Shadowrun, Savage Worlds, Fate, you know, any 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 RPG system you can think of pretty much because it's got this, it's got, you know, it's not designed for one system in mind. It's designed what does it take to play all these systems, right? And it, honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot uh, of special tools, um, though they do have special op- options that are designed for specific systems. One of the coolest things I think they got, and this is where I, this is where Discord playing and playing over Google Hangouts and stuff like that kind of falls shy, is you can't see people's roles in those games. Oh yeah. Now I, <laughs> it's given that they're going to give you uh, some sort of dice roller, but what's really cool is they like bounce around on the screen and go ding 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 ding, <laughs> which is pretty cool. I love the 3D uh, bounce effect because it makes it feel more real. Um, to me, that is that is something that I struggle with with like discord i don't worry so much that people are going to cheat because if they're going to cheat they're going to cheat whatever if that's what you need to get hard whatever that's not really (laughs) that's not really anything that i think that you can stop when you can't see the people or they're people you don't know if they're going to cheat they're going to fucking cheat whatever but this allows a real way to kind of monitor that and it saves all that stuff so you can look back like me as a dm i forget a lot of shit so if somebody makes a skill check and they tell me and i forgot I just scroll back up. Oh, there it is. And I don't got to play 20 questions, which oh, I, cool. yeah, that for me, that's awesome because I forget that shit all the time. Because a lot of times when players do that, they, they forget their role too. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and they, I don't remember what it was conveniently add, when it was like a three. Then they end up adding five to it by accident. <laughs> it's not by accident. <laughs> We're on Discord and you're doing some sort of attack roll. And you're like, here, watch this dice so these people don't know I'm not cheating. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, because I wanted you to look at it because it was like a crit or some something like that. Because you know there is a little bit of trust that really revolves around that. Now I'm just there to p- tell a story, and if you just destroy everything, well, whatever, I don't care. But <laughs> the roll twenty comes with all the dice and everything that you need, you know, which is pretty cool. But what they really did that I really liked is you can actually make uh, collections of complex macros. Uh, like so, for some of my attacks. I'm pretty boring, so I just leave them basic rolls of, like, this is this attack. But I got really stupid, and I started giving my attacks names, right? But then in roll 20, because you got the chat box, you can make the macro say something. So anytime my character would do an attack, I had, like, five macros for my fighter. And one was, like, full temple assault. And then it had this, like, three-line three line <laughs> paragraph of my barrage and striking blow, Uh when, every time I did that attack. And because I had like four or five of them, I would just pick a different one every time I attacked so they didn't get repetitive. But it automatically plucked that out of there for the uh, for the players. And actually, often what happens is the DMs just read what I wrote because it's really, it's usually pretty nice. But, you know, that to me is super Stop convenient. Stop spamming the chat! <laughs> that only happened once. <laughs> problem. But outside of like combat uses... What other uses do you think that you could use comp, uh, macros for? So you probably have your own pre-written stuff. 
Right, yeah, because anybody... Like, I, bet, I bet people get tired of describing what they look like every time they go into a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, yeah, not only that, that's actually a really good one, you know, having brief descriptions of your characters where when you go through that first interview, <laughs> you, you hit the macro, it posts it, and you just read it to them, and anybody can reference back to that. Or... It's like, so what do you look like? One click. All right, I'll wait 20 minutes while people read my book. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't put your backstory in there. Um, <laughs> but what I like to use it for as a DM, I really like... You know... When you're going through modules or you're running a game, you have these very nice descriptions of an area somebody's walking into. As you enter, a roaring fireplace churns out heat and light at one end of this spacious 30-foot high chamber room, the ceiling of which is buttressed by ten wooden pillars carved as dragons. Well, thank God there's a fire here. It's colder than the witch's tit outside. <laughs> so for me, um, what happens often is I'll say that, and then people will forget there's a fireplace. Or people will forget about the dragon pillars things I just meant, the dragon pillars. Yeah. Whatever details that I put in, people forget. So having uh, writing up my dialogue and putting it into a macro where I can just paste it, that to me is super convenient. And I don't have to constantly search for all the stuff I've pre-written. It's already nightly, nicely needed on my, my toolbar when I just put them in the right order that I'm going to use them in. So that saves a lot well, of paperwork. Good. Yeah, it's very, very convenient. Say, there's been plenty of times when you've described a scene, but there was just so much stuff in the scene, and people forget, oh, by the way, there's a haunted armor in this corner that you forgot about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit over-detailed sometimes. Well, that's the best part. Right. And so I guess the point is is that it having that stuff really allows you to, I think, for me and as a player and a DM to prepare a little bit better. Another part of the system is, you know, it comes with initiative trackers. That's something that's pretty important, and it kind of is all pretty pretty automated. You don't have a lot of work involved in dealing with that. Um, what was it like an I end my turn button or something? Yeah, something like person? that, yeah. Um, and and that that, that's great because, you know, People are always coming up with new and unique ways. You know, I like to use. I used to use index cards. Now I got a giant, uh, two and a half foot by three oh, foot yeah. whiteboard that I use. Um, but online, there's just little button. My turn's done. It moves on, which is pretty cool. You still do that for your initiative, where uh, mm-hmm. initiative is based off of speed. If someone's being big and bulky and they got heavy items, they're slower. Not online, I don't. Ah. I do use special uh, speed factors. Um, in my games because I think there's just certain people that shouldn't move as fast. Now, there, I, there's no real penalty for being big and giant and bulky, but there's bonuses for being smaller and faster and lighter. The big heavy armor guy with the two-handed greatsword should never move as swiftly as the halfling with a rapier or a dagger or something like that, in my opinion. But no here nor there. There's no punishments for any of that stuff. There's just bonuses to other. I think it goes up to a plus, like, for Unless, initiative course. bonus. So is there HP tracking? Or do they have like their own own bar or something? Yeah, I, actually, I assume yeah. they're not so, responsible for their own HP. No, so uh, actually what's really cool about it is each little uh, token in the game has a, has a health bar, which means I don't have to track it and they don't have to track it, which is great. That makes it super easy to track all individual monsters, which that's one of the struggles of when I run an, uh, an engagement with too many monsters is I start to mix them up and, and tracking HP becomes kind of difficult. I usually like to top at like five or six and no more than that. Um, but this one, they all have little health bars. Players, tokens, everything. I think it comes with that. Which is pretty cool. What, what about stuff like um, 
Like, I remember a long time ago when we first started playing, I'd use Hunter's Mark, and we'd mm-hmm. take a little gray ring and throw it over the bad guys. I, this guy's marked. Do you guys have yeah, it, markers on there, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, Roll20 actually comes with little di- different little indicators, too, that you can set, you can, like, right-click and choose an option, and you can set it to a dazed effect or a stun or a poison or, you know, whatever status effects you have. And then, you, of course, you can customize your own, which is pretty cool. And that's, you know, and all that stuff is not, once again, not really tied to one system system which is pretty cool there's enough customization in there to allow you to fit it to whatever game you want is world 20 enhanced enough where like if if you have a, a creature or a monster and you put an effect on him and he's on the screen and the dm moves him that does that counter stay on yes that monster or do you have to move the counter with the monster? no it stays with it <laughs> it's pretty cool yeah i mean it's pretty fancy stuff <laughs> Um, one of the coolest things, though, you're, this, this is making me want to play, roll twenty. <laughs> well, you know, we can run a game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I've never done it before, and it just sounds pretty neat. Right, and because you've only played with the like the to- just voice, which even then you really enjoyed. So yeah. Um, one of the cool things that I really think that roll twenty captures that I struggle as a player or as a DM in real life. Now I found a solution to this, um, but fog of war. Now, my solution was is I built individual tiles, and as you guys adventured through the dungeons, I just added the tiles. That was my are you, solution. Are you talking about, like, in RTSs, like Age of Empires, how when you move, you get got the black yes. map, and it, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, you can the DM can really limit what the players can see on the map in real time as they move their characters, which is just, that to me is awesome, because that's something that I cannot capture at my table. Unless I'm doing theater of the mind, because then if I don't tell you, it's not there. <laughs> but when you're dealing with like mini maps and, and stuff like that, or if you maybe you do try to do the fog of war and you got to draw it, I hate drawing as I go because that makes takes more time out of the game. So I always try to do my maps. That's why you know I've got the ma- massive stack of mini tile D and D tiles that I built. So actually, this this is a pretty good question. Uh, let's say you have a human who has normal vision. Yes. And you're in a dark place, but you have uh, someone who has dark vision, like a tiefling. Is there is the tiefling's map more visible than the human's map? You can make it so. I have not personally done that, because honestly, that's probably more work than I want to do. But in, actually, if you really want to get fancy, you can grayscale your maps, too. So if you wanted to do the dark vision, you can show the player a different map that's in grayscale. <laughs> which would be pretty cool. I personally don't haven't done gone to that detail, um, but those options are definitely there. Because uh, that just popped in my head, and you see one of your players saying, "Hey, there's there's creatures ahead," and then one of the other players is going, "No, there's not. There's it's just tile." Right, and, w- and what's what's really cool too is when your characters are stu- uh, affected by certain status effects, like blind. There goes your screen. Like, literally, your, your you map can, goes black? Yeah, you can make their section so they can't see it. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. You know, and it, it really has these little effects. Like, if uh, we mentioned the torches earlier. If you put the torches on, you can create those as sources of light, so only those areas within a certain, whatever the, spe- the <laughs> limit is, light up, which is pretty cool. Uh, once again, I really like the, the radiant light that it provides, you know, stuff like that. It's really good, like, if you want to do, like, a mage casting, like, dancing lights or something. You know, you can create a moving source so that you, they can move their dancing lights around and see, which is which is pretty clever. But once again, talking back about, you know, dynamic lighting in, in Fog of War, it makes it a lot easier to ambush the players <laughs> with Fog of War. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I really love the, the dynamic lighting. So 
um, one of the most important parts of D&D <laughs> is the social interaction. So actually, Roll20 has a built-in verbal audio chat and visual um, So the players, players can speak, too. It's yes. just that they have a chat program, so they don't have to speak over if you. If they don't want to, yes. Um, chat program is really useful, but it has a, a, an audio program built in and a video function because, you know, D&D is a social experience. And some of the stuff that really makes some of the game memorable is somebody's visual reaction to something, you know. With that, you don't have to – it doesn't rely on, you know, third-party programs like Skype or Discord in this case, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think it's great for involving new, newbies because then you don't have them trying to learn to do a lot of different things. Oh, you want to play uh, play with us? Well, you're going to need this – you need to go to Roll20, create an account. You're also going to need Discord, and you're also going to need some uh, uh, Skype as well. You're going to need dice. You're going to need handbooks. You're going to need lots of stuff. I don't think I want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so does this work on – can I do it on my phone? Yeah, so actually it works on Android and uh, iPads, which what? is awesome. Hang on, hang on. So I just, I just saw That's that. That's in addition to like, running it, in the browsing on your computer. Let me open up my Play Store. Just Roll20? Roll20 for Android. No shit, badass. Yeah, it is pretty cool. It gives just another platform. I really prefer to sit and play at my table, but Roll20 has a lot to offer. Um, I really highly recommend you go and check it out. At least try it once. I, I think I will. The, I'm glad you invited me to be your guest because this is something I've wanted to know about. I've never looked into it. Even my wife's talked about it, and I just, oh, cool, Roll20, you can play online. Now I know what is in it, what you can do, all this awesome stuff. Um, so that is our main topic of the podcast, uh, online play with Roll20. Check it out. Um, if you're... It, if by any chance I got some of this stuff wrong, uh, because I am going off my terrible memory, uh, <laughs> please let us know. If you use it, if there's something we didn't talk about and there's a feature that you love, please send us an email or message us on Facebook or message us on Twitter. Message us. Ask us questions. Even if they're ridiculous, we'll still answer them. <laughs> Just maybe not in the way you want. <laughs> so that is our main topic of the podcast. Is this a bug bite or dry skin? <laughs> Before we move on to our owner tips and tricks... Thanks to another of our fellowship members, Loresmith. All of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring their realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one you don't want to miss. This week's winner of Our Claws of Madness is Chris Trotter. Congratulations, Chris Trotter, for winning The Claws of Madness. You are this week's winner. Moving on to our favorite segment, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks. This is where we deliver creative content for both players and DMs for them to really bring with them on their next adventure, as well as give, you know, just general tips. Our character concept of the podcast is... My imaginary friend. Now, I'm a, truly believer, I'm a true believer that the best characters are the ones that do the craziest shit and people who stay in character. Oh, I love that character you described to me once. Uh, 
what, what was it a, a warlock it was a different person every time but there was an owl on his shoulder everybody thought the person was just like a shapeshifter but it turns out that the owl was the player yes please check out our unfamiliar back in episode something or other <laughs> that's one of our character concepts yes so i think it's really cool to have a character that constantly is generating discussion and arguments not with his party members but with somebody that's not really there. I love a character you can look at and say, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens. I mean, he, you'd be like, imagine this. You've got the, you've got the. oh, this would be really good as an orc. So you got the orc s- sitting in the uh, town talking to, say, uh, a noble as he walks up. He goes, and, like, everyone just kind of looking. He's like, I'll be with you in a second. And he starts talking to his buddy. He's like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell him. No, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't. Well, he might. Maybe he will. Okay, okay, I'll ask him. No, having a character who sits and argues and debates and yells at an invisible friend gets really fun in, inside a character. Like, if if the DM calls me out and says, Hey, Justin, it's your turn. He's like, Yeah, what, what? No, he wants me to go. Just, just, hey, just leave me alone for just one second. <laughs> having an imaginary character while metagaming? Yeah, well, and, <laughs> l- listen, dude, I, I got it. It's okay, it's got it. I got it. Okay, okay where did you need me to go? I'm going to go. No, I am not casting Fireball. There's only one enemy, you know. Having a character in character and out of character <laughs> talking crazy like that will bring a lot of discussion, whether it's good or bad. Yes, <laughs> a lot of a uh, <laughs> lot of discussion, whether good you, or bad. You, you go, you go to a one of those stores, and it's your first time there. And you sit down, and that's your character, and you start talking to yourself. All these people are gonna move away from you. Yeah, like one of my favorite characters. <laughs> you ever watch uh, Braveheart? There was an yes. Irishman. This is my island. I told you it was my island. I'm not very good with the the Irish. You can hear me talking in your ears all day, buzz, 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 buzz. <laughs> but and and he he said he always is talking like he's talking to God or is it God he's talking to? Yeah. He goes, "All right, Father, I'll ask him. <laughs> he's pretty sure you're going to die." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and having having a character that's constantly terrorizing the the NPCs. You know, and it's really funny because if you give him the responsibilities of doing something, let's say, "Hey, Grizzly." Yeah? I need you to knock this door down. One second. Do you think I can do it? I don't know if I can do it. I think I can do it. Maybe I can do it. I think I'm strong <laughs> enough. Will you help me? Why won't you help me, you lazy fuck? <laughs> I always got to do all the work. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm, I don't know that I can do it, and, and Dickwad here doesn't want to help me. And they're just looking at it like, what? You know what makes it worse is if he tries and he doesn't do it. He says, help me now, and he tries again and breaks the door down. It makes all the other players think. <laughs> Okay, Trying is a couple really times. an imaginary friend, or is he real? And what's really bad is he can use, he might use some of that to leverage on some of the things he does wrong. Like, uh, let's say you're a klepto. He's <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't take it. it. Steve did. <laughs> it was John. He did it. There is no John. I was like, well, then where'd your shit go? <laughs> <laughs> Having a character who's constantly just talking to somebody who's not there. You know that new show, Imaginary Mary, is where this came from. I was watching that and I was just kind of giggling but that can create a lot of intrigue with the other players especially if he starts to predict things like let's say you run an imaginary friend with somebody who's super observant maybe they've got the observant feet where they just notice stuff and he says hey guys hey guys Grizzly says uh says there's a trap over there (laughs) they're like what he says yeah it's right over there I don't see it but he says it's right in that area somewhere Fight Club, right? That guy's imaginary, right? It's all in his I head? Think, I think it was a split personality. Was it? But either way, that's still yeah. pretty cool. That was a good movie. 
I did have a bad experience like that once as an adult. With your imaginary friend? With my imagination, yeah. Oh. It was when I was on my boat. For all of our listeners out there, this buddy served our country in the Navy. Yeah. It's the Navy submarine force. Woo! I did yeah, it again. Yeah, they let him on the boat. <laughs> yeah, they let me on a boat. Yeah, I was working on qualifications for like three days straight. I didn't sleep at all. I was hitting a cruise mess. I was talking to three people. Having a full conversation with three people I saw. And my buddy looks over me and says, Hey, Gray, who are you talking to? I'm like, what? I look back and there's no one there. It's like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that is our character concept of the podcast, My Imaginary Friend. Our monster variant of the podcast is the Grave Bear. Um, with our monster variant, we take an, or- an original monster. We don't alter the stats. We just give them additional features. So you made a zombie bear? Yes. A Grave Bear. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave it Undead Fortitude and Rise Again. Undead Fortitude. If damage reduces the zombie to zero hit points, it must make a constitution saving throw with a DC of 5+. plus the damage taken unless the damage is radiant or from a critical hit on a success the zombie drops to one hit point instead you have no idea what a nightmare that could be does that happen every time it hits zero yes you're a dick <laughs> well that's part of that's part of the the zombie feature is that fortitude oh my god the other one is when it finally does die it comes back what rise again <laughs> yeah the first time the grave bear drops to zero hit points make a new initiative check for the grave bear after one minute the grave bear uses its move action to rise with 10 point 10 hit points this resets the dc on the undead fortitude <laughs> you killed it nope <laughs> and and yes this makes it uh it gives it makes it longer lasting um which is the goal but it'll freak the hell out of your players because <laughs> they don't know that that rise again is a one-time thing oh you know, my players know now because they fought enough uh, mixed undead that I've used it that they're not surprised anymore. But I'll tell you what, when they finally do slay that uh, grave bear and it springs back to life. <laughs> now, if you notice, it comes back after a minute. Right around the time, they're probably going to want to sit and take a rest. So they're going to be sitting around a campfire. Oh, man. Or sitting around, you know, tending their wounds. And all of a sudden, this giant beast is going to crawl back up and start viciously attacking them again. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty horrible. I'm a dick. That is our monster variant, the Grave Bear. Definitely use it and spook the shit out of your I, I like your monster variants. Like I put a lot of I did, when I did my first online play with Discord. Mm-hmm. When you made the vampire harpy. Oh, wasn't that awesome? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I I'm a big fan of variants because A it helps mitigate metagaming. Because most people who are big into D and D will read yeah, all the monsters. It's like, oh, it's this, so it has this. It's yeah. like, no, it doesn't. And, and it's hard to not know something you know. You can't. It's very difficult to separate that. And we give a hard time to players who, for metagaming, but we, I do understand that that is something that's difficult, which is why I'm a big fan of variants, uh, whether it's combat features from Player's Handbook that the players have or other monster features. Well, that's what I like about that, too, is because like, when you add a harpy and a vampire, good players can put together both stats. Okay, it's a harpy and a vampire. It's probably got these when it may not have uh, some of the vampire qualities, and they're just waiting for it to use that one move, and then right. it does. and then it, do- it doesn't have that weakness. Yeah. <laughs> I try to make sure that the strengths and weaknesses are there, um, but not all the time. I'm pretty bad like that. But you should be able to use this using the normal stat block with just these few changes, which reminds me, 
if you haven't noticed already, we started a new thing. Every Monday we do Monster Variant Monday, where I've actually created the stat blocks with the, all the abilities that we've been creating, and I'm posting them. So when you look at them and find them, um, use them, try them out, uh, read them, let me know what you think. I really would like to hear more feedback. Most of these I have used, not all of them, so I don't necessarily know that they're super... I haven't had no issues with none of my variants. It provides an extra challenge, but not so much that it's broken. It's more of a sub oh shit surprise factor. Yeah, what just a decent way to handle things. I mean, like having variety in monsters. Like when we very first started playing D and motherfucker. I got so I got so tired of fighting kobolds all the time. Right, and that's how that's what happened a lot in four D because you had so many minions. You know, you can just sweep right through them and move on, but they were everywhere. Yeah, I made the mistake of when he did that. Uh, uh, that one shot level thirteen. We went to that really trippy. A di- hell-like dimension. It was really hot. Oh yeah, yeah. And those little imps came out of there, and I punched from the face, thinking it was a minion. I was like, this it isn't blew a, up. This isn't a minion. It doesn't have one HP. I was like, shit. Isn't that the one that blew up in your face? Yeah, it blew. I'm pretty sure that was one of the encounters of the podcast, the Kamikaze <laughs> Magmans, because I talked about that where you guys were fighting Ifrit. Man, those things suck too. Blowing chunks in the, blowing chunks right out of the the floor you were standing on, leaving little holes and shit. Because <laughs> one, one of the one of my teammates was down. He was doing death saving throws, but I had the ability to to stabilize him, get him back up. But he had these things over him. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to take the chance and just try to knock him out. <laughs> Kaboom. Hopefully the AOE doesn't hit him. Oh, it totally fucking hit him. <laughs> it like melted his face off. It's like, oh, damn it, I killed him. Uh, that's great. Way to be supportive. It was the first time playing with me, too. I was like, I am so sorry. I just couldn't get close enough. Otherwise, I would have been with you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, life Laying sucks. Uh, all right, so that is our monstant variant of the podcast, the Grave Bear. Roar. <laughs> Alright, so our encounter of the podcast is gonna, it's a little bit wieldy, um, mainly because this was pretty flushed out from when I used it. Um, We're gonna try not to focus too much on some of the longer stuff, but hopefully leave it as a discussion. Um, I call this the Eye Tyrant. If you don't know, Eye Tyrant is a description of a particular behavior of a particular type of beholder. A beholder is basically uh, discovered an excellent location for his new lair. There's just one tiny problem. There's a city filled with disgusting two-legged surface walkers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he really he needs to do something about it. So he decides that he's just going to subjugate the entire city's populace as well as any powerful monsters in the area. And But unfortunately for him, this particular city's got an air force in my campaign. It can just have a single airboat, uh, airship, whatever um, you want. Um, but my city took quite a bit of pride in its air force uh its military might it really had a a very special one um but it really prides itself on you know the its combat airships uh monsters hippogriffs griffins and other such beasts are also attacking under the beholder's uh control so basically our adventures have been tasked with riding on the city's most powerful ship the Heidelin. Um, so if you give them the option that these people can fall off the ship. Yeah, absolutely. They can fall <laughs> off. Um, and it's actually funny you mentioned that because somebody did. <laughs> Shit! Um, actually, they had uh, one of our previous magic items of the podcast, actually, was the plummeting pouch. And my, the players had them, so that's good. <laughs> um, so um, our adventurers have 
been asked to ride on top of the city's most powerful ship, the Heidelin. Uh, their goal is basically to focus on the Beholder. That is their, their goal, to take out the Beholder, while other smaller vessels in the, 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 the Knights military kind of deals with all the other threats. So the players have a very specific focus here. While it's a massive scale combat, they're only really focused on the Beholder. Um, if you're interested, there is an airship guide on page uh, 119 of the DMG. You can use as reference for stat blocks, AC, um, things of the like. Um, what I did, uh, you can choose to use magical or normal cannons. Some people don't allow that in their games. That's fine. I personally use magic cannons because magic, why the fuck not? So look more badass? Yes, they are more badass. So I've got basic descriptions for some of these things. So the ship uh, fails all saving th throws, but is already is immune to condition effects, um, which is pretty important to know. Um, there's actually like a thresholds and stuff for different types of ships. So you're going to look at that. Basically, if you, the damage is below a certain ship's thresholds, it doesn't receive any damage. It's just uh, considered like um, cosmetic damage. So what I did is I gave this ship several different types of cannons requiring different operators. Um, I recommend, I did five, and I think that was a good number. I recommend that to you guys as well. Um, the first thing that we have is the crew. Uh, the crew is part of the initiative. The adventurers aren't the only people on the ship. Yeah. The, it has a crew which basically uh, has control of all the, most of the equipment required to fly in addition to some of the cannons because the players aren't enough to uh, pile on all the uh, cannons so every round they got their own initiative uh, they get a plus five to attack and they roll 4d10 fire damage every round basically even if your players suck there's still damage coming out of the ship which is good um, that's pretty critical to balancing the combat encounter our characters are the heroes not the crew <laughs> not the crew yes um, so they are part of it but they're not all that's there. So uh, the very first weapon, I had two blast cannons for two of my players. And I actually let all the players control decide where they wanted to go on the ship. So uh, my two DPS took the blast cannons. Uh, they basically fire the flaming, ver uh, the chromatic orbs, but only the flame version uh, at a plus seven to attack. Uh, and it has an increased spell range of 30 feet to help really get to, I think it's like 90 feet was the, the, the limit on that spell. The first time I saw a beholder in a movie it was Big Trouble in Little China mm -hmm. I was a kid because that was an 80's movie mm -hmm. that scared the shit out of me it's <laughs> like what is that thing yeah, it looks like the ship also has a chain net hmm. launches a chain net at the target range of 75 to 150 feet plus 5 to attack and uses wisdom modifier to the attack bonus a strength check of DC 20 can break the chain creature affected can only use a single action per turn um so i yeah. this was basically uh a, a control effect i ended up making the user's wisdom modifier their perception and their intuition to be able to kind of read and predict where the monster is going to be as their focus of their uh their aiming for the net um i really thought that this would give them a little bit of battlefield control and that's exactly what they used it for. They were able to lock them down a little bit and kind of take advantage of uh, one of the next things they got. Um, I gave the uh, healer, the healer ended up choosing uh, a barrier device, which basically launches uh, the defense uh, spell shield. It was up to them to choose when to use that, but it was on cooldown for a turn. So they had to decide, should I use this now or not? 
the barrier after it was used needed to be fixed. So it was down for a turn. Um, and if they rolled a, uh, less than five on their check to recharge it, it was down for another turn. Ooh. Yeah, it was pretty rough. If you roll a one, it just breaks. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have uh, the last position actually went, our, I think our tank ended up taking this one. I gave the job to the navigator. Basically, this character's job is to assist the pilot in maneuvering the ship. Basically, this character had to call actions. Um, in this case, I gave him five actions. And the actions for the ship are evasive maneuver. Everyone gets advantage on the next save this turn, and the ship avoids a single attack of your choosing. Which is, is all fine and dandy, but they also have those laser eyes have multiple attacks, so nah. every little bit that you can protect against is great. <laughs> Retreat! Ship is moved to a range of 200 feet away from the target. And then there's also close in, where the ship is maneuvered into, into a range of 50 feet of the target. Now, once you're within 50 feet, they had a special command or a special action called ram, where basically the ship, once it's in 50 feet, within 50 feet, the ship rams the target. The target uh, makes a dexterity saving throw for of 16, DC 16. On a failed saving throw, it takes D, uh, 5d10 bludgeoning damage or half as much on a success. And basically, and then the ship takes half damage automatically. Ooh. So you got to be pretty careful. But this brings the creature within melee range for one round. you got to make sure that whoever's the navigator, when they say ram, they have to say giggity afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole idea is the characters are collectively using stuff that's not really tied directly to their abilities, but they're not limited to that. They didn't have to use these. Like, I know that uh, one of the... Uh, one of the f I think the fighters that were manning the cannons actually disengaged from their cannons and went and tried to crawl on the thing's body and fight it, So, which is pretty interesting. It's interesting, but it's no good if the creature moves away and now your crew is stuck on the creature. Yeah, well, no I only let one of them climb on it climb <laughs> on it because it was only a large creature. It wasn't a huge creature, um, but it was a big round surface, so he was trying to stab it from the top and chop off tentacle uh, eyes and shit. Um, this was actually pretty fun. The characters really enjoyed it. The mages in the group and all the characters, they found very unique ways to not only use these, but then incorporate their abilities. That's cool. That's a really neat concept because I haven't seen it in any of the D&D games I've ever played. Yeah, well, you'll have to come over and play in it one time. I'll run it again. What What do you like about this combat, this encounter specifically? That it's, it, it's not specifically... You're, you're not fighting with each player. You're not Each player is taking a turn. Okay, um... I'm going to lance forward with my rapier or something like that. No, you you are all as a whole maneuvering a ship mm -hmm. to destroy a large creature. You, you're like, what's a good example? Assassin's Creed Black Flag. It's a great game. It's a wonderful game. It came out forever ago, and I still haven't beaten it yet because of all the the, the ships and the, the battling on the ocean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've just been sticking with that the whole time. But it, it's the fact that you're not on ground. You're not just one person. You, you are fighting in a fleet with other uh, ships and, and knights, and you're piloting a ship. Yep. They're part, they're part of that. I mean, they're all level 5. So they weren't super strong, but they were, they were strong enough that they were heroes in the area, but they weren't so strong that they could fucking take out a beholder. Okay, the beholder is strong. I, I think it's level thirteen, CR rating thirteen. I think. I think it's a, a memorable thing to put uh, level five players against a creature that's 
three times their level that you know that they can never kill on their own. Right. They could just get one-shotted. And that's what the... You give them that leverage. And that's what they really enjoyed. So that is our encounter of the podcast, the Eye Tyrant. This show's magic item is the Dagger of Swarms. This dagger has rose-like carvings set into the hilt mm, with a dark green blade with vine and leaf filigree. What the hell's a filigree? <laughs> and leaf filigree on it. When this dagger is used as a thrown ranged attack, it is under the effects of a Hail of Thorns spell. Oh, yeah. Hail of Thorns. When you hit a creature with a ranged weapon attack with this dagger, rose thorns sprout from it. In addition to the normal dagger damage and effects, the target of the attack and each creature within five feet of it must make a dexterity saving throw of 12. A creature takes 1d10 piercing damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. That's such a sexy weapon. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> it's good to have you, Duke. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, our magic item... Th- so this was created for a character uh, of mine who really liked playing a ranger for the thorn, Hail of Thorns attack. Um, but this time he rolled up a rogue and was doing double dagger throwing. And so he asked about, you know... If there's any way he could get the spell, I told him he could multi-class. But after thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can come up with something. And so I end up creating this uh, item. And I would hook a chain onto it. No, that way I can. That way, when I throw it and I have to run away, I can retrieve it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but what yeah. would I do with it? Oh, you're throwing a magic dagger that shoots out needles at people. Let's say you get into a rough with a bunch of people you don't like, and. They started the fight, right? They get sent to a jail cell. You go to that jail cell, you throw that dagger right in there. <laughs> you look up through the window. Surprise, cockbags! <laughs> mm. That's funny. I, I, I don't know. It has a lot of potential, though. All right, so that is our magic item of the podcast, the Dagger of Swarms. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is... Adding sporting events. Dodgeball. The, the, yeah, the most common. Dodgeball is a great example, you know. But maybe instead of it being a little foam ball, maybe it's a magical <laughs> energy orb. Or, yeah, when it hits an enemy, uh, when they try to catch it and they fail to catch it, maybe it stuns them or momentarily. Or maybe it teleports them right out of the arena. Or, oh, you know. Or you can get really fancy and have a much more primitive version where maybe you call it blood ball and they're throwing rocks and stones at each other. <laughs> so I, I find that more like in like an orc game or something like that or maybe some Goliaths or something. If you can dodge a bullet, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe in a Goliath one. Maybe that's why they got their stones endurance ability. <laughs> Me strong. I'm best blood ball player ever. You know, or a really fun one would be like Demolition Derby with like self-propelling magical chariots. Oh my god. They're just smashing into each other. You got peasants on the low end cheering and throwing their copper and trying to gamble. And... <laughs> Fuck you! Buy <laughs> ah! Bahamut's ass! Uh, five Finger Filet. You know, you got a guy in a bar tavern, ta- uh, bar tavern. you know, playing, you know, doot, 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 trying not to stab his fingers or we whatever. We don't condone doing this in real life. It'll hurt. Yeah, he knows <laughs> from personal experience because he was a dumb kid. <laughs> you still have all your appendages though, so that's good. Um, I need scar my thumb. Yeah, no, take games, take some of your favorite sporting <laughs> events and change them a little bit, and have them inside the game. A way to break away from the mundane, you know, mu- the mundanes of fucking adventuring. Maybe, 
you know, maybe when your characters relax, they go to, you know, something called capture the sigil or capture the emblem or something, you know, non-lethal combat and, you know, fireballs blowing people up. And <laughs> I, had, I, I had a good one I experienced. It was uh, an arena type game style. This was with uh, my wife's friends down down further south. Mm-hmm. They invited me to one of their D&D games and the guy did a, a one shot thing. But it wasn't just going through as a, a mod or going through a dungeon. The players of their campaign were up in their own little towers, and they had an orb that they had their hand on. But you don't play Wait, as Trump? them. Yeah. Uh, Saruman. <laughs> 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 they got their hand on this orb, but you don't play as them. You play as the people uh, that they are controlling down on the field. Is it dangerous? Yeah, you die. Oh, that's why they're up in their little box. It, it, the, the concept came from the uh, the movie Gamer. Oh, like very the, the, cool. the people they're controlling are like killers and murderers who are sentenced to death type of thing. Oh, so it's and, okay then. Murder still okay. And whoever survives can gets to go. I would free pick like kobolds like or something. <laughs> that sounds like a very interesting concept, and I think something like that can really give a uh, give a break in a game, especially if you've got one that's emotionally intense. Um, when you got those really serious nitty gritty ones where the focus can really mess with your emotions, it's nice to have a, a relief for that. And having a major city that has some sort of sporting event will really add to the flavor. I think, oh, man, I love the idea of like a soccer, except for like grenades, like in rocket league, when you score, just whoever's in the goalie just gets blown up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a little violent, but, uh, goal. No, <laughs> That is our Dungeon Master Tip of the Podcast. Add sporting events to your game. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. <laughs> and you can avoid dickitude by using generic items. You know, everyone uses hemp and rope. We all know it. We all use it. We all love it for a million things. But what about all the other stuff that the, the markets have? You know what? You're talking about like stuff like a, a crowbar? A, that's a great example. Yeah, it would be. There would be so many times in the games I would be playing where I'd, I wish I had that. Yeah, and you can get those. They're normal. They're common items. You can pick them up almost at any uh, sales place. You know, yeah, they're great for breaking into windows and crates and um, and doors. I think you know it gives advantage on strength checks for those things. So why not carry those? I know some of the toolkits or some of the kits come with those things, which is good. Um, my personal one of my personal favorites. I got two favorites, but one of my personal favorites is an oil flask. As a mage, I love carrying an oil flask and then lighting shit on fire. <laughs> because it makes my little tiny cantrip firebolt so much more deadly. Oh, oh, you having a good day? How about a fucking face full of oil? Oh, light your ass on fire. Oil plus firebolt equals burn shit down. Ball bearings. Love ball bearings. Everyone's seen seen those trips, spewing them all over the floor. And they work, too. <laughs> yeah. They really do. When you're a rogue and you stole something and someone saw you and they're chasing you, <laughs> you just drop ball bearings and you're good. Yeah, they'll make a, have to make a deck save and maybe drop to the ground. Break into a house, I've sent them outside the door. And I've broken into another entrance and then came out. So when the people come dashing through out the door, they end up uh, <laughs> falling on their can. Um, caltrops are another good one. Um, it's a great way to slow people down. Um, it, I mean, it stops them in their track. I mean, once you stop when a bunch of shit stabbing you through the foot. <laughs> <laughs> one way to piss off uh, an owner of a restaurant, I'll tell you what. It was dashing and dining once. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, that there's hunting hunting traps. Oh, yeah, that allows you to, to lo- lock down the enemy, right? I mean, you know, we always, we've discussed this in our trap episode, but 
that's an easy trap anybody can get. It basically, it stakes into the ground. You set it outside an entrance, and when you hear somebody yell, you know there's somebody home. <laughs> you know, it basically can uh, lock somebody in place. Why wouldn't you use that? I there's mean, all sorts of traps that you can that you can do. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, you can you can just easily get out of that trap." It's like, okay, go stick your foot in a bear trap and see if you can get out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, another good one is, is holy water. Um, that's a really easy one to come by, and it the holy water itself does 2d6 radiant damage. I mean, if it's radiant damage and you don't have a spellcaster, fighting undead becomes a little bit easier with something like that. And, th- you know, these are all items that are right on the regular item list that don't really have any... My personal favorite, I told you I had two. The other one, the spyglass. I love the spyglass. It's really expensive, but once you get one, man, there ain't nothing you can't get your cruddy little hands on from a distance. Do you know how many times I've had characters try to blackmail other people because they were, oh, I'm going to camp out on three roofs over with my spyglass and peer through the window for a couple days. And you know there's shit going on in those libraries, (laughs) man. I'm telling you what. So they've blackmailed uh, nobles using those things. So what was it? It was like like the leader of a, like Thieves Guild was a female. And this noble was uh, hot to trot for her. That is our player tip of the podcast. Don't Don't be be a a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by using generic items. Please join us on our next episode. We'll hear. Please join us on our next episode where we will hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing remarkable ends with Lore Smith. I'm super excited for that. Welcome to the show, Lore Smith. It'll be fantastic to have you. If you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email us at critacademy at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Pound that share button. Pound it. <laughs> make, sure to su- <laughs> make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as you'll be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. You also find links to our fellowship members there. I am your host, Justin. And I am the guest, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your plate sharp and your spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.